Welcome to my 25th podcast, the second of three sequential excerpts from a non-fiction volume documenting my 50th year called There Is No Dust in Buddhaland. Toast and Beans. When Patricia met Gordon in their late 40s, she was handicapped by delicacy, if not taste. At a distance, resplendently descending the staircase to the lobby of the Royal York Hotel in Toronto, in a powder blue suit, on business, from Edmonton, Gordon overwhelmed, and was equally overwhelmed by, from across the proverbial crowded room, Patricia, a plump look-alike of Elizabeth Taylor, an early-bloomed rose. Swinging her off her ample feet, he flew her to Edmonton and ensconced her in his recently purchased charming little post-war bungalow on the south side, complete with an award-winning rose and shrub garden, delicately pruned and mulched to perfection by the previous owner for over 40 years. Standing beside her in the living room some eight months later, as spring approached, I took pleasure in the obvious satisfaction she was conjuring up of genteel garden parties given and received with the cream of Edmonton society, her plumply pleasant face smiling fondly out the window at her burgeoning Eden, content to let the remnants of a truly appalling introductory western winter melt away, punctured as it was by daffodil shoots croci, snowdrops, and abounding birch buds. All she would have to do to triumph that summer, and for several seasons to come, was maintain, and she knew it. Few moments are as restful as that anticipation and situation, so we leisurely basked in each other's company, contented by her pleasure, when suddenly Gordon, or Gord, as his kin, friends, and neighbors called him, to her dismay, backed at speed to spare his beloved a gradual pain, smacked through her hedge with an old, seemingly endlessly large and long flatbed truck, thereby occupying a much-needed-for-parking space, but distressingly significant third of her cherished garden, bouldering down a dozen discreetly-placed decorative shrubs and a delicately-aged cement birdbath in the process, before seriously trenching up the heart of her rosebeds with his churning axled after axled wheels. To add salt to the shock and the wound, the vehicle was mounted with his post-lunch delivery, several tons of piled high but securely chained down lumber building materials. Hopping out of the truck, he then, with a wicked wink at me, lowered his less than impressive frame another six inches by becoming suddenly bow-legged, protruding his normally acceptable abdomen till it took on paunch proportions, and, stubble cheek from driving his vehicle a continuous thousand miles over a two-day period, Sporting a stained, armless, white t-shirt, clapped a large, sweaty cowboy hat over his shining bald pate, then waddled toward his true love rapidly, laughing uproariously, arms up and out for a hug. He looked, I must confess, for all the world, like a classic beer-guzzling Albertan heading for a brewski's, steak, taters, and a raunchy butt slap, polar opposite, as was his saucy intent, to the sophisticated, urbane, oil tycoon she'd clapped eyes on eight months before in Teal. Gazing down at him in a double state of shock, uppercutted by the sudden carnage to her garden and dreams, then KO'd by the visual of every woman's nightmare, an overweight, smelly, ricketed dwarf heading towards her in a state of unabashed, libidinous excitement that never doubted for a moment its welcome, she swooned into my arms, seeking a solace of maidenly oblivion. But it was not to be, because my laughter, which sparked her outrage, giving flush to her cheeks and heaves to her bosom, and his bursting, muddy-booted front-door entrance necessitated both consciousness and mobility. 
Happily, she did not feel herself, and nimbly managed to attain the asylum of the stairs to the second floor in a flash, raining down uncultured vituperation on our lovish male heads. Mine for failing to share her horror of her mate and his deed, his for succumbing to unexplained necessity, followed by his distasteful attempt to sweeten shock and sorrow by buffoonery. Needless to say, the wine was never decanted, and the toast and beans, fried by guard for myself and he, supplanted the dining-room Caesar salad and squab she'd been orchestrating. An embarrassingly gaseous, ale-glutted, eighteen-hour basement bachelor chinwag ensued, after which I wended at first light, abandoning Edmonton to date, and I hope, forever. <laughs>